Chapter Twenty Four of A Superfluous Woman by Emma Francis Brooke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Ten years had passed away. The beautiful month of May was in its zenith, and the parks of London were gay with flowers. Jonquils and tulips were being sold in the streets, and the shop windows of the great thoroughfares vied with each other in the display of feminine fashions for spring attire and the other knick-knacks of tortured ingenuity which the hand of competition throws out to catch the eye of extravagance the main business of the hour was so to organize the interplay between permanent greed or neediness and chance spendthrift desires that the fickle stream of the latter might be caught and utilized as by a mill-wheel before it dashed onward on its aimless play it was may and it was night everybody was in town not to be in town argued one in fashionable circles as a country cousin and an ineffectual nonentity in the west end the atmosphere was charged with social and political intrigue with intellectual strain with all the pressure and confusion of a great world bent on struggling onward in pursuit of its own glittering noisy aims the streets and squares were beautiful with their regular setting of the topaz-like gas-lamps or the imprisoned moons of electric light with the moving stabs of colour in passing trams and other vehicles with the suspended glows at tavern or theatre doors in chemists shops night-abandoned road-mending or other opportunities and tricks of illumination fashion was for the most part in the theatres or concert halls or in the great drawing-rooms of favoured houses or at least on its way to them within the safe protection of closed carriages glimpses of the brilliantly dressed glittering presumably happy persons flashing out through the windows as they rolled by the footpaths of the street were left for the most part to passengers of another kind and in the labyrinth-like quarters that lie huddled and clustering behind and near the great thoroughfares outstreamed permanent london to its street chaffering its leisured hour its genial gossip its despair conspiracy or crime it was an hour when the great city in all its parts is more restlessly awake and in some more evilly active than at any other time an hour for the lover of the sensation of things to be out and moving feeling beneath his feet the pavement of a great city or realizing from the top of a tram-car the stir and pulsation and intoxicating sense of a tumultuous life and fateful destiny being night it was also the time when those whose hearts and brains are impressed by the deep and tragical reality of suffering existence which underlies the noisy and ambitious struggle above become in their consciousness clearer as to the causes of things more convinced as to the distinction between shadow and substance more acutely discriminative between the barrenness of party aims and the import of those anxious demands which knock periodically and constantly at the doors of the nation the hunger of starved souls and bodies in their ominous reiteration 
invincible faith rather than despair is the characteristic of onlookers and thinkers such as these the heart of patience and hope being retained amid the central glow of pity and indignation which keeps their energy in the cause of the people at a white heat to them the suffering outcry or the more piteous dumb appeal of the oppressed contain within themselves their own irrefutable reply the unanswerable demonstration of any evil endured by the inmate of a civilized state is a matter which may wait long but which draws its conclusion inevitably after it not the brilliant talent or the particular gift but the ascertained need of the weakest and most broken of the children of fate is the fulcrum which determines how and in what direction the national will shall move and the leaving behind or the dropping out from social advantages and modern ease of many of some of even a few is the signal for the readjustment of national contrivances until these laggards in the race be drawn up abreast with average progress and be reinstated in that place in the world to which chronologically they are born for within the average mass lies the strength and fate of the nation and the exceptional success of advanced skirmishers toward progress is immaterial unless it be utilized in bearing forward that desolated and mournful fringe which drags down the average by existing beneath it in the evil social conditions of fifty or a hundred years ago on such a may night a great minister gave a great entertainment and everybody who was anybody was there it was a pure and beautiful evening starlit and mild and the coachmen driving up their precious freight to the handsome house in the handsome square blessed themselves in that they had not to sit there under a blinding rain or soaking fog the stream of carriages was long and imposing it obstructed the road for some distance beyond the square but the cause was respectable and out of the arm of the law so one by one and inch by inch they crept along until after patience and manoeuvring aided by the dexterity of the police each one deposited its burden beneath an awning amid the breathless and solemn silence of an awestruck crowd who watched the guests advance up the crimson laid steps and vanish into the brilliant hall above this silence and awe produced an effect as of a religious ceremony which touched the imagination of a sharp-faced street child of some education oh my came the shrill little voice through the sweet night air it's just like the celestial city and the pilgrims and the angels what took them in at the gates what teacher told me on a burly policeman with some sense of incongruity in the illusion and feeling that it might be distasteful to parties concerned here took the prattling little one by the ear and led it gesticulating away at that moment a hansom crept up a common vulgar hansom in the middle of the coroneted carriages and out of it popped a small shrivelled deformed gentleman 
with an ugly wedge-like face and great burning eyes he ran up the steps looking as he did so like a curious beetle and the crowd burst out into a hearty irrepressible laugh an agreeable sense of pleasure suffused itself over the heart of the little gentleman at finding himself the innocent occasion of momentary mirth among the poverty-stricken gathering outside mr carteret when he found himself well within his sumptuous surroundings committed at least three solecisms in tranquil unconsciousness before he reached the opening chamber of a splendid suite of reception rooms near the entrance to this first apartment stood the host and hostess receiving with mechanical cordiality the constant stream of arrivals who advanced exchanged a few words of greeting and were then carried onward by the press into the apartments beyond carteret as surprised to find himself present as others were to see him as whimsically conscious of incongruity in his person as any observer could be followed the loud herald of his own name into the dazzling scene and confronted his hostess with a short bow and swift sarcastic silent smile the high-born lady extended the momentary patronage of her graceful recognition to the man of genius the host said a few apt and cordial words and carteret singular little blot upon a scene so gay passed onward with the rest there were four reception-rooms opening one out of the other the first was upholstered in a faint yellow hue which admirably suited the pale dark colouring of the minister's wife and this room was lavishly decked with the most recherche and expensive kind of cream narcissus having the long golden centre bell the fireplace the mantelpiece the lamp brackets the myriad lights being also shaded in faint yellow and every available receptacle were heaped and covered with these delicate highly cultivated blossoms each one a miracle of perfection and beauty from this fairy-like scene the guest passed on to an apartment upholstered in aesthetic green and white and decked with maidenhair and gloire de dijon roses in beautiful lavish masses the next reception-room was of well-toned tints both enriched and softened by a show of delicate fantastic orchids each one a wonder in itself and so disposed that the long trailing blooms seemed fancifully etched upon the bronze-coloured wall beyond and last there was a large brilliant apartment in pink or in some faint indescribable shade of that colour the vulgar milkmaid hue being toned down to something exquisite which could hardly tolerate its low-born name and this room was decked with gently perfumed and marvellously tinted azalea blooms it was a scene of such enchanting beauty and taste that only the extremely well-bred and blasé managed to pass through it without exclamation or remark and with a mere determination to outdo the effect when their turn for an entertainment came about carteret poor little blot wandered or rather was brushed on through the exquisite scene his head thrust forward 
his brows puckered his restless eyes searching and noting his underlip pushed out grimacing from habit and again from lonely habit unconscious and lost from himself but gathering up all that he saw and heard with his swift observant faculty people saw and noticed him of course beautiful creatures and under the influence of the lights and the colour plain women appeared good-looking and good-looking women beautiful and beautiful women exquisite ethereal angels while everybody lost a decade from their age beautiful creatures remarked carteret as they passed the silken and lace billows of their trains swept over his legs and knees as the wearers undulated onward and some of them glanced down on him with a faint amazement and back again as from something unpleasant and startling men went past him whose shoulders obscured him he noted broad backs and thick necks with tight-cropped poles gentlemanly cultivated backs weak slanting backs with irritable shoulders and long stretched necks and unmanageable hair carefully distributed over bald heads scholarly university men backs slightly bent every kind of back and neck and headpiece no lots of these faces muttered carteret to himself punch essence of parliament in process of time it took quite an hour carteret with his observant eyes had arrived at the last apartment at the room that is decked with azaleas from this there was a wide egress into an open space above the main staircase the azalea room appeared to be the favorite partly because people were arrested in it by the fact that the egress though wide necessarily narrowed the stream and partly because it really was the most beautiful portion of the scene carteret who was already getting bored and depressed had contemplated passing out through this egress which he had detected from a distance and afterward slipping away home he paused at last near a lounge constructed to hold two persons in a pleasant tete-a-tete looking toward the outlet he found that it was blocked by silks and satins dress-coats and their wearers his frail body was too much fatigued for him to attempt the standing waiting and dexterous pushing necessary before he could get out so he sank down on the lounge took out his handkerchief to mop his face and resigned himself two young married ladies came presently and stood in front of him talking together in calm oblivion of or indifference to the fact that so insignificant a person as this small beetle-like man could overhear every word they uttered there she is exclaimed one lady to the other they turned their heads and stretched their necks and looked keenly in a particular direction the tone in which the three words were uttered was noticeable evidently a show person of some kind was approaching carteret got up stood upon a footstool and looked too 
he caught a glimpse of a tall and slender figure of a magnificent dress a perfect coiffure glittering jewels and an oval cheek then the crowd closed over the form carter had got off his footstool and sat down again it is quite too sad how she goes off said the first lady in that make-believe sympathetic tone which barely smothers self-congratulation she manages to be very very beautiful still returned the second in rather a longing voice thirty if she's a day i suppose said mrs four-and-twenty disdainfully well yes but at thirty a handsome woman is handsomer still returned number two a little anxiously there is esprit experience a je ne sais quoi that younger women miss it isn't her age oh i am aware she poses for originality as well one has to do so much nowadays to be anything the speaker sighed it is all wear and tear the demands on one's resources are continual all the pewter gilded and rubbed up to look like gold and everything set out upon the counter as in any trumpery shop said number two with unexpected asperity well i don't know that i should care to be as severe upon her as that returned the first dexterously taking refuge from the hit in a fold of the garment of charity number two colored slightly and was silent what now is the special peculiarity you referred to asked the first lady in a voice warmer for the sense of momentary victory i think i was alluding to the oddness of her charities you are aware i suppose that she takes a particular interest in women who are no better than they should be replied the second in a lowered voice dear me is that all returned the first in an indifferent tone but it is the fashion to take up that sort of person now it makes such splendid platform material oh yes but it is not in that way she does not exactly take them up she sympathizes with them openly well of course you call that charity i did the back of the first lady expressed from carteret's point of view a rigid sense of her own virtue the ear and cheek and neck of the second a sense of confusion number two was no match for number one she had a habit of blushing women over fifty have been known to retain the trick but they are not usually social successes it was number one who heartily returned to the topic how does she exhibit this sympathy by never assuming any superiority and by holding out a friendly helping hand where she can i like her face i rather like her odd ways she is so inoffensive and gentle and strange hmm. look at all the men trooping after her oh well of course she is a great society belle almost historic nothing i suppose of a scandal in her own life 
i assure you no there have been odd freaks but no scandal whatever she is considered exemplary a perfect model as at that moment the oncoming stream moved up so determinedly that the speakers were gently brushed aside and carteret lost the end of the sentence he remained seated as before and was presently glad to observe that the lady who had formed the subject of so engrossing a conversation neared the spot and stood for a moment in front of him exactly as the late speakers had done carteret looked at her attentively at so much of her that is as he could see to him she presented an appearance made up of soft color lace mystery sweet odor flowers and jewels there would have been nothing more than that for him if it had not been for the words which he had overheard she would have been a shining something outside his ken and his world something with which he had better not trouble himself had it not been for these as it was he surmised the human being beneath the ethereal wrappings and peered somewhat curiously at the slender graceful neck with its splendid diamond necklet and the irrepressible small rings of dark hair which would escape from the jewelled pins to prettily intrude themselves upon it presently she moved a little let me sit down said she in the softest and most weary voice which carteret had ever heard she addressed herself to the man by whose side she had advanced into the azalea chamber carteret sprang up and moved aside and the dark lady seated herself submitting as she did so patiently to a certain fussy assiduity from her companion who however immediately left her almost carteret thought with an air of relief it was then that the strange thing happened to carteret he had relinquished the idea of escaping and stood by the lounge looking down on her he was vaguely conscious of a buzzing pressure of men around and near him as bees press round a honey-laden flower and he himself was lost in the quiet almost religious contemplation of the beautiful face near him it was over-wearied and too languid but beautiful how beautiful suddenly he could scarcely say how it happened he felt that she looked at him and had noted his appearance that was followed by a faint though unmistakable sign he hardly knew how to characterize it that she wished him to take the seat by her side carteret placed himself on the lounge he had no scruple in watching her was not she there to be watched indeed her attraction was so great that he was not able to prevent himself from doing it she leaned back in an attitude of indifference her long lashes on her cheek and her hands idly holding her fan it was doubtful whether she saw the azaleas whether she saw anything of her surroundings her beauty attracted more and more of the passing people they made excuses to pause and look at her carteret became convinced that everyone knew her or recognized her 
her name he perceived was whispered from tongue to tongue though he did not catch it to all this to all the stir which her appearance and presence excited she seemed however blind or indifferent the deepest respect was in every one's bearing but some there were who envied carteret his seat carteret remarked this but he refused to budge inconceivable incomprehensible though it was he was convinced that he had received an invitation to seat himself by her side while others buzzed and paused impatiently around held off by the invisible barriers a woman knows how to raise he was permitted to remain snugly beside her a delicate fold of her drapery intruding over his knee he the odd little blot on the brilliant scene men began to cast angry glances at him but carteret sat on he sat there speechless his arms folded together over his bent figure his eyes fixed on a definite spot in the leg of the trousers of the man in front of him and his underlip shot out the sarcasm of his face the crumpled figure with its stubborn pose held them all at arm's length as effectually as did the cold graces of the lady beauty and the beast murmured over his head a faultlessly attired wag with more shirt-front than brains at that moment a hand was laid on his shoulder and he raised his head to find leaning over him the genial face of the first friend he had met that evening the friend to whose good offices he owed his introduction to the scene carteret's mouth puckered good-naturedly lucky dog whispered the friend his eyes glanced across to the beautiful woman and laughed back at the little man just so said carteret won't you come out of this and have a chat no well i can't say i wonder by the way old man have you seen cornerstone lately cornerstone repeated carteret have i seen cornerstone why don't you ask me if i've eaten and drunk and slept and clothed myself lately i see all right old fellow don't go up in a balloon we're all mortal but just tell him i've got the new microscope i spoke of and ask him to drop in and look at it and carteret well just come out of this and have a chat there's something particular i wish to speak of i won't budge the friend laughed and passed on then carteret started again a hand was laid on his arm from the other side sir i beg your pardon turning quickly he found the most perfectly beautiful face he had ever seen anxiously bending toward him the eyes were remarkable even startling wide open as they were now and dark as night they appeared to him to be dashed by an incomprehensible and haunting look of horror so deep were the pupils so marvelously transfixing in their look of human entreaty and fear that carteret gazed back at them for several perceptible seconds silently you mentioned i thought you mentioned a name 
yes i mentioned the name cornerstone i spoke of my friend dr cornerstone replied carteret attuning his voice to unaccustomed softness is he living is he well do you see him he is living and well and i see him every day of my life then you will give him a message willingly sir i trust you i do not know who you are but i trust you not to forget i will not forget at that moment a shadow fell upon them the beautiful woman felt it and shivered before she looked up carteret shrinking instinctively also raised his head he had heard the speech before he saw the man i'm going directly don't you know said a voice whose minutest tone was saturated with mental disease and feebleness take my wife home don't you know the speaker bent over the sofa disclosing to carteret a tall head with retreating forehead bald at the temples the hair limp fair and thin the nose small narrow and mean the eyes gold and the lips wandering and feeble he put out his hand and took hold of that of the beautiful woman carteret expected her to wince instead of that her hand rested quietly in his and her face was attentive and no more don't you think you've had enough of it shan't you be tired i'm deuced sick of the thing myself do you want to stop or will you come there was a note of anxiety in his appeal i will come her voice was a little dazed and her eyes still with the strange look in them wandered back to carteret well then come now returned her husband querulously she rose dropped her handkerchief and as carteret stooped to pick it up stooped also and contrived to whisper in a wild hurried voice these words tell him i entreat you not to forget tell him to come beseech him pray him to come then she took the arm of her husband ungrudgingly and they turned away together quietly amicably as any other united pair might do carteret rose and followed them she had neglected to give him her name and it was necessary that he should know it he watched narrowly to see if she would shrink would snatch her hand away or whether either of the pair would exhibit signs of that connubial impatience which is of all earthly experiences the bitterest and most hateful nothing of the kind the ill-assorted couple kept as close together when no one was watching as when they were being observed and it was to her husband she turned when the costly wrap was to be hung about her shoulders whatever this hidden tragedy might be it had elements in it not of the common sordid kind as the pair stood waiting in the hall surrounded by footmen and the bustle of departing guests carteret fancied that a certain mysterious isolation marked them out discriminated and united them as some pairs have been united in the imagination of all time within the circle of the peculiarly damned 
presently a splendid menial came forward and announced lady harriet's carriage stops the way and then the pair moved forward together and together vanished End of chapter 24